Right, so um, once a year, I ask the Lord to give me a verse for the church. This year has been an interesting experience of trying to uh, hear from God on that thing, but I got there in the end. But mindful that I preached the same sermon this morning, I've adapted tonight a bit, and uh, my opening illustrations relate very much uh, to the younger people amongst us. Those of you who are at a stage where your life is still forming and shaping, be assured from an old guy that the foundations that you lay at this stage are critical for thereafter. Now, you are closer than I am to playing with Lego and Jenga. And it was Lego and Jenga that I didn't mind. Can I have the first one up, Rob? Do you mind? Um, So whether it's Jenga, you set the whole thing up, And the key thing thereafter is not to break it down by the moves that you make when you're playing the game. You know that. So really in life, we want to make sure that we make the right moves. We make the right moves that help us to grow strong and in God. Legos are much more of a baby thing, of course, much more easy and stable. But the thing with Lego is... Building with it is important. You've got to get the foundation right. You've got to get your base right. Build with creative. You've got to know where you're going. And I just want to say that for the teenagers here tonight, uh, that some of the stuff I'll say will relate very much to you. But think about the fact that you're actually now at the stage in life where you're building foundations for the future. So what I'm going to do, I'm not sure what this table's out here for. I think it's for refreshments later on. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm going to take all this lot out. And if as a congregation before the end of the service, anybody would like to build a tower, that would be a really good thing to do. You can only put one or two or three of those blocks down, and maybe as you've had communion, you might go and lay another layer. And actually, that translates what I'm going to try and say tonight away from us as individuals to us as a church. Sometimes, I've had three emails today about people saying, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Why don't we do the other? And... The key is that we don't always think together as a church. We don't move together as a church. And what I'd like us to do almost through that is realize that in building the Jenga Tower, it's time we listen to God and say, how do we build together? Let's see how we go on. So when I started praying about what should be the verse of the year for 2017, one came to mind. Not a particular verse, but one, the number one, the word one. And so I looked up a few verses with that kind of thought in it. Move it on, Rob, will you? It's died on me. There you go. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I desire from the Lord, that I may keep company with him forever. Philippians 3, Paul writes, one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on, I build, I connect. And then there's a story in the Bible of two stressed out sisters. They like to give these talks to ladies' fellowships and stuff like that, but you're getting it tonight. Uh, Stressed out sisters called Martha and Mary. And here's what it says in Scripture. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. 
but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Busy, busy churches sometimes need to focus down on the one thing that should be our priority for this season of life. Individual Christians who are pulled all over the place with the pressures of life that you face every day sometimes need to focus in on just one. So having looked carefully at each of these verses, I knew I was being drawn to the idea of being focused or single-minded. And so I came to the verse for the year. Is this going to work? Yeah. And that's it. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. It's from the message. And in case you all think, oh, blimey, that all sounds very pious. Is there going to be any sense in this? Let me assure you, it is one of the most practical verses of Scripture for getting your life in shape. It's about keeping the main thing the main thing. It's about being single-minded, yet you're sat there thinking, what on earth does that mean? What's the difference between being single-minded or having a one-track mind? I want to suggest it's the effect of being focused. A single-minded person chooses to focus upon a priority. A one-track mind can only focus on one thing. Being single-minded does not mean that we have no sense of the fact that life is complex and difficult at times, that issues are nuanced and it requires subtlety. It means, however, that you're able to choose to consider and then choose to ignore those things that might distract you. That's part of the word I think I bring to the church this year. More of that toward the end of the sermon. But we are a church constantly thinking of what else we can do. And God says, what's the one thing I really want you to do? Recently, Rob got a letter. Desperately trying, here's the letter. Rob got a letter from somebody who's just done Alpha. An adult, and they wrote him a two-pager. And with that person's permission, he's not here, I'm going to read bits of it to you tonight. They're talking about the course, first of all. I found that my lack of understanding made it really difficult for me to become a Christian. I suppose it's that any pitch in modern-day society, you just get five seconds to get someone's attention. They go on to say, The fact of the matter in my case was, what was holding me back was that I was conditioned by the behaviours of those all around me the society I live in and the people I network with. And to break away from that is really strange and scary, at the, what the unknown usually is. The rules I would follow were to be early, early at work, and stay late to show commitment, even though I'm not needed at work. And with friends, I would waste endless time achieving nothing just to show a person with more authority than myself my commitment. And by doing this, I would fit in and get on. It's easy getting 
coaxed into doing what the crowd does, even though it goes against your own values, because it's easier to go along with it than to object with a group of people who also don't want to participate. But you do so by fear about being the odd one out. That's a real interesting phrase for everybody, but I suppose for youngsters as well in particular. I suppose the unique selling point for me, uh, if I were to use the terminology, was this. Christianity is simply about the relationship between me and Christ, no one else. We get on better when we are on our own sometimes. However, meeting my new Christians, I find a strength in them and an encouragement in them I didn't know before. Somebody, four couples, said to me a few months ago, I've said this before, we've got a religious background, we're Catholic. We've had lots of religion. What we find interesting and strange coming to APC, that we hear less about religion and all about a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. There was a person who went on Alpha, who not only came to a relationship with Jesus Christ, but who found that their life is being reshaped as a consequence. So in coming to Christ, this person is discovering a new lens through which their priorities and their focus are being realigned through knowing God's love and loving God in return. Jesus said that happens when you do this. Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. A young guy who was about to get married was once asked, what he thought was the most important things in life, what they are, and in particular, what should take priority in his life. He listed family, job, and education. So someone asked him if God made his way onto the list. Yes, he replied, God was next. He was number four. As they spoke further, this guy mentioned that God was certainly important, but not as important as all the others. And when the young man uh, was asked whether he thought God would want to be on the list, he did. He said this. He knew that God wanted to be on the list, but he assumed that because family was important, God would want him to put family first. This young man claimed to be a Christian, but was not remotely familiar with the Bible. And so this guy gave him some passages to consider. More of those in a minute. And that conversation makes you wonder does the Bible really bring up what's most important? What from God's, ex from God's perspective is the number one, what is foremost? And as I prayed about today, as I prayed about this verse for the year, this is what came out. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. Now, here Jesus is answering a question that's designed to test his knowledge of God's word and whether he really was on the straight path. So Matthew twenty-two thirty-six says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this had been going on for years and it's all about the law as the people understood it. And the quotation comes from Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus was being a good Jewish boy. He was teaching what had been taught to the Jews for 1,500 years. And now he, the bringer of the kingdom, said, and this is at the heart of the kingdom of God as well. It revealed to the Jews and to us 
what devotion to God is all about. So I want to say, first of all, that devotion or love for God... Oop, wrong way. That devotion to God is all about focus. The object of our focus needs to be God alone. Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus warns in Matthew 6, he says this, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Divided devotion is deficient devotion. Now, is there anybody in this room who has yet worked out the secret how to live without money? Put your hand up, come to the front if you have. I haven't either. But Jesus says it's deficient devotion if we try to allow space for that as a priority over him. Jesus as God's Messiah alluded to what devotion could look like when he explained the demands of discipleship, a word we use in this church quite a bit. Matthew 10:37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now you start to think to yourself then, Jesus, what are you on about? What are you really on about? On another occasion, Jesus offered a similar explanation, but even in more stark and demanding terms. Luke fourteen twenty six. If anyone comes to me and does not, wait for it, hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now that's a real popularity winner, that one. Jesus used a device called hyperbole. You use exaggeration in order to make a really important point. And he said, compared to following me, there is nothing that comes close in terms of equality of importance. Family are right at the heart of God's purposes for us. Relationships are key to our human well-being. We were designed for relationship. But compared to him and following him, they don't come close. Our commitment to God is expected to prioritize him and him alone. It must be focused. Secondly, our devotion or love for God must be full to overflowing. It must be complete. It must be comprehensive. And that picture I got, and I only got it in the seat there, of moving into a spacious place is there is more of God to know. You might have been a Christian for donkey's years. And if you think that you've got the measure of God yet, you've not met the living God. And there is a place of freedom and of living purposefully that is so much more than simply being a member of this church and what we're concerned about here. The kingdom is vast in its scope. Our devotion, our love for God must be overflowing. And loving God with all our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength, isn't a fuzzy feeling. It's something that touches all of life. Now, some of us say, okay, John, I kind of get what you're on about, and this is how we try and deal with it. We try and get life into lots of nice, neat boxes, because there's a lot going on. There's work, there's family, there's leisure, there's clubbing, partying, whatever, all good stuff. 
And we try to give to each bit of our life enough time. You're doing your A-levels at the minute and you ain't got the freedom that you'd actually like. So you have to sort of map out what you can do in any one point in time. Even if you've never been that sort of person, you know that this year, these two years are really important. We try to work out where God might fit in or where church might fit in the whole equation. And however good and wise and sensible that might mean, it's not quite what God expects. All these things are important, not knocking them. He certainly doesn't want us to spend every bit of our lives in here. I quite like you, but not that much. He expects us, however, to allow him to encapsulate and overflow into every part of life. And whether you're 16 or 66, loving God with all your heart is something that means asking the question, what on earth does that look like? So that's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion, your prayer, and thinking of the prayers that were offered before your intelligence as well. They all play their part. This is the most important, said Jesus, the first on any list. So with all that vies for our attention and affection, it's vital to have that first commandment foremost in our minds. We must have a passion for God that is focused and a love for him which is full to overflowing. When I was in New York recently, I came across a pastor called Pete Scarazzo. You can look him up on YouTube, which I'm allowed to do on my new telly, which you can talk into and it brings stuff up on YouTube. Anyway, this is the guy here. His claim to fame is that he's a buddy of Nicky Gumbel. But rather more importantly than that, he's a pastor of a big church in America and he kind of caved in. He kind of burnt out, as they say, in my territory. And uh, Pete says some really interesting things. So as he worked this through with his wife and he rebuilt his life, a bit like the Jenga Tower, if you like, what happened was he realized there were things you can do that really build a healthy life and things you can do that are a damaging life. So he talks about the emotionally healthy leader, the emotionally healthy spirituality, and the emotionally healthy church. This stuff is very practical. If it sounds all pious, trust me, it helps to set you free from the burden of being on a constant treadmill of trying to please people and trying to do one thing after another, after another, after another. Pete said what he learned and what he's now put in that course has turned his life upside down. He said, I'm more chilled out. I'm a happier guy. My life is richer and I love God to the core of my being and without guilt. There was a guy called Bernard of Claveau. You can tell by his name he didn't come from Aldridge. Bernard of Claveau is a medieval Christian and he wrote about loving God for God's own sake. Most of us love God, and we sing it in our songs, for what he's done for us. Most of us in our worship, we come to worship if it's the sort of worship we like. We do things when it suits us. But what Bernard of Claveau was trying to say is, there's something powerful about loving God for his own sake, not for what you get out of it. And it kind of sets you free and sets you up then to love your neighbour as yourself, which is not the verse of the year. Needs thinking about. It's taken me a long while to work that one through. 
And that's why the first commandment, loving God, comes before the command to love your neighbor. Because this is what Pete discovered. He said, if your life is so full of the things that you're doing for God, and you're not building into your life a relationship with God that's just pure love, you will come off the rails. And he said, that's what happened to him. And he wants to avoid that for all of us. Now, thankfully, vicars only work one day a week, so I ought to be able to sort that out. But for those of you who've got a really busy life with kids who are juggling all kinds of priorities and, and older members of the family who are demanding and young people whose parents don't understand that you've just got to have a life these days, it's more complicated. But what I think Jesus is saying is, love God first and then work on the rest. So, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your passion, and with all your intelligence. I end with a story. The other week, I was doing a couple of baptisms, kiddie baptisms, uh, in church. And um, it was crowded. There were two families there. There were loads of kids. There were people, kids pulling their parents' hair, and the parents were distracted. There was a screaming kid over there. And there was a bloke over here, and he had dreadlocks. And as I'm speaking, he's going, stuff sort of he didn't quite say it out loud but preach it brother and um i didn't know who he was i hadn't got a clue he's obviously part of the baptism party turns out for him is australian he's never ever met me in his life we've met once since what i'm now about to tell you he wrote to me afterwards an email within 24 hours and said john thanks very much for what you did and said in the baptism of my nephew um but he said um while I was in that service, God gave me a picture which I want to share with you. And uh, this was the picture. During the service, says this guy, I had a picture which I believe is for the church as you consider and step into its future direction. Let's see if I can get this right, Rob. The picture I saw was you, maybe you as well, you standing at a well and scattered around the well were lots of individual gold coins. I actually felt that the gold coins were, wait for it, good things. Really good things. However, things were that were not in line with what God was calling the church into. I felt that in this next season there will be many good things that will come up but that these good things were almost a distraction to the one thing Jesus is asking the church to do. In the picture, the well behind you, I believe, was like the well that Jesus met the woman at, which ended up completely changing not only her, but the whole community. And I believe this is used for your heart and the church's heart to share the gospel with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is wanting the church to have guarded hearts and discernment. In other words, not go running off in endless things. Discernment as the church looks to te take steps forward in the next step. He said to me at the end of the email, I'm not sure why God's given me this picture. Does it make any sense? I was leaping out of my desk because... I have been sharing with you for months the fact that I think in all the bright attractiveness of what we try to do, I think sometimes we're so busy, we stop making the main thing, 
the main thing. So folks, for what it's worth, that's the verse I think God has given us for this year. Quite what it looks like, quite how it would reshape us as a church or as individuals in our relationship with God. And I just go dot, 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 dot. Because we work that out for the year to come. What is God saying to you and to me and to us?